0: when I started speaking to other people, I was like, oh, these are real problems in the mental health industry that are not being addressed by these other resources. So I I searched far and wide because trust me, I didn't want to invent anything. I just wanted to find something (laughs) that already existed because it would be way easier. And after searching for a long time and not finding it, I was like, oh, shoot, am I really going to have to build this? So (laughs) I did.
1: Welcome to the Unlocking Happiness Podcast. I'm Amy Dix, international best-selling author, speaker, and founder of Choose Happy. Collectively, our community builds a better world. I believe life is made up of moments. We have short moments, long moments, good moments, and bad moments. We make sure that all of your life moments are filled with meaning and joy. Stick around to the end of the show. We'll reveal how you can be our next guest on the internet, happiest podcast. Now let's unlock happiness. Hello, all you crazy, happy people out there. I am Amy Dix with Choose Happy. And today we are unlocking happiness with Johnny Crowder. Johnny is a 29 year old suicide abuse survivor, TEDx speaker, Touring musician, mental health and sobriety advocate, and the founder and CEO of Cope Notes, a text based mental health platform that provides daily support to users in nearly 100 countries around the world. I love this concept so much. And your TEDx talk, where was it at?
0: It was in Eustis, which is like two hours from Tampa.
1: Okay, so in Eustis, Florida, has over a million views. Such an important topic that we're talking about today. And Johnny, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, so when I first came across you, and I was looking at some of this stuff, and I was looking at your website, copenotes.com, I was just, I thought, oh, this is brilliant. <laughs> this is so brilliant and these are the little things that we need in this world. So you can check out copenotes.com and what it is it is a text-based mental health solution. so I'll let you talk a little bit about that but before we get into like the ins and outs of what cope notes really is, there's obviously something that led you to decide, hey, you know this world does need something like this And so tell us about kind of what brought you to this moment.
0: So the, the long version is my Ted talk. So if you have 18 minutes, definitely (laughs) pause this, go listen to that. So you have context, but the short version is I grew up with a lot of different mental illnesses and I really did not want to go to treatment. So I was like in and out. I just was being such a brat and I didn't really believe in therapy or, or even I didn't want to talk about myself or look at what I was going through. So I had a very rocky treatment experience, but very fortunately I stuck with it and wound up going to school for psychology. And I started doing peer support and public advocacy through NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness in 2011. So this is like 11 years ago, 10, 11 years ago. And as I was out, like in the field meeting and talking to people and being that peer, a lot of people were complaining to me about the same complaints that I had with all of the different mental health support options that existed and i thought that i was just being a brat and when i started speaking to other people i was like oh these are real problems in the mental health industry that are not being addressed by these other resources so i i searched far and wide because trust me i didn't want to invent anything i just wanted to find (laughs) something that already existed because it would be way easier And after searching for a long time and not finding it, I was like, oh, shoot, am I really going to have to build this? So (laughs) I did.
1: Amazing. So I want to go back to you a second. You said you didn't believe in therapy. At what age here are you that you first went to therapy?
0: I started, uh, I went to my first therapy session when I was like 14, 15. I think I was a, a sophomore in high school. And I don't know if it's so much that I didn't believe in therapy as I didn't believe that what I was going through could be helped by therapy. I thought that I was like some freak of nature outlier, like therapy might help other people, but it won't help me, you know?
1: Got it. Got it. And so what what things are you going through at age 14 and 15?
0: I was self-harming quite a bit, unfortunately. I was experiencing very vivid and severe auditory and visual hallucinations, which made it really difficult to like communicate and make friends I had some pretty disordered speech. My OCD was preventing me from touching other people. I wasn't making eye contact. I wasn't stepping on cracks or sitting near windows or touching doorknobs. Like there are so many things that I, I was so limited to the point where there were some days where I felt like I couldn't do anything. Like I couldn't make a sandwich. I couldn't walk down the stairs. I couldn't brush my teeth because everything, I was so inhibited by my illness
1: Mhm. And what is your earliest memory of having some of these illnesses?
0: It was actually and I wish this wasn't true but I I remember self-harming as a toddler. Mm. And this is like before elementary school. It was just really not pretty.
1: What was your home life like?
0: Not great. Um <laughs> I grew up in an abusive environment so I kind of learned a lot of maladaptive behaviors just by taking in what I witnessed and then figuring that that was the normal way that people communicated and dealt with frustration. And it has taken my entire life to unlearn a lot of those behaviors.
1: What is the biggest thing that you think you've had to unlearn?
0: Uh, Probably automatic negative thought, which is something that I still struggle with today. Like all of our brains have it like that subconscious, Record that plays over and over again that says oh, my voice sounds annoying or my hair looks funny or why did I say that like all of those little thoughts that play on repeat that we don't really consciously think they just play and we listen learning to actively challenge that on a regular basis has been and continues to be one of the greatest challenges I've ever faced.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, you mentioned something that made me think, okay, but you know, the first step is recognizing it, you know, so you can't challenge it. If you don't first recognize it. And do you think that you had had like this conscious recognition of it?
0: I used to think that I was smart by being cynical and negative. Mm. I used to think like, well, Dumb people who don't pay attention. They're just being oblivious. Those are the people who are happy, but I'm educated and smart and I'm looking close enough to see that everything is bad. And there was like this kind of righteous indignation around my cynicism that took a while to wear off. And I was like, oh, I'm I'm not making the world any better or my situation Mm -hmm. any better. I'm just making myself more miserable by misallocating my focus.
1: Mm -hmm. So you started going to therapy at age 14, 15 ish, Uh, had a kind of a mentality that the things that you're feeling, the things that you're going through therapy is not going to help. I mean, but then later on, you, you get into getting a degree in psychology, working with naming. So like, at what point do you go, oh, I need and want help?
0: I wish I could say before I started therapy, but that's not true. I like spent (laughs) a long time in therapy, not even believing that it would help me, like just being in, I was not being an active, willful participant in my recovery at all. I was just like begrudgingly going to see a clinician. But I think one thing that started to like melt my heart around it was I was so convinced that the doctors were wrong and that I that I a teenager was right um, <laughs> that I took psychology courses in high school I took college level psych in high school basically to like prove my doctors wrong like oh yeah I'm gonna take of psychology class that you probably took 20 years ago. And I'm going to learn more in two years than you've learned in your whole practice. So my attitude was like, wait till I learn in school how wrong these doctors are. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the exact opposite happened, of course. And I was reading in these textbooks about these diagnoses. Like, you know, if my doctor told me that I was experiencing symptoms of schizophrenia, I'd be like, insulted I felt like he was you know trying to hurt me or something Mm -hmm. name calling and then I would be in a classroom learning about hallucinations and I was like oh shoot that's that's what I'm experiencing so I felt like my doctors were trying to hurt me by diagnosing me but then when I would read it in an objective textbook I was like oh okay, so maybe it's not an insult. Maybe this is just really what's going on, you know?
1: Yeah. What role did your parents play at an early age in getting you to therapy? Because I don't think as a 14-year-old, you were like, hey, I'm going to go to therapy, no. I my guess. That's part one. And then part two of that is what role do your parents play overall in supporting your recovery?
0: Um, That's tricky to answer. My family situation is very complex. I will, I do, I will credit my mother with basically forcing me to go to treatment because she, so I'm not going to tell the whole story. It was, it was, but basically I had, I behaved very dangerously. I had a, a particularly problematic behavioral outburst where I put myself and others in danger and ran away from home. And then when I came back, my mom said, well, either we can go to the doctor together or I can Mm -hmm. call someone and they can take you to
1: Mm -hmm. the doctor.
0: And I was like, I know what that means. (laughs) So um, I kind of like opted for the let's go together option just because I knew there was like after an outburst like that, I kind of knew like there's no way that I'm going to get out of this scot-free. Like Mm -hmm. there are going to be repercussions and I would rather not go to jail. For yeah. this, you know,
1: right? Understood. So the other thing, you know, as folks are listening on the podcast, if if they're not watching uh, the video on YouTube, but li- they're listening on podcast, you're sitting here in front of a lot of shoes, <laughs> many pairs of shoes. Be- well, I mean, yeah, they are paired up. Any many pairs of shoes behind you, and so what is the meaning behind that, and how does it tie to your therapy?
0: Um, I'm a huge proponent of the idea that, that recovery doesn't have to look like what you think it looks like. It doesn't have to look like yoga. It doesn't have to look like meditation. Like if, if you like that stuff, awesome. If it doesn't resonate with you, don't think that you're broken or a freak or whatever. Just some stuff helps an individual. Some stuff doesn't really feel like it clicks. So for me, sneakers, believe it or not, have been a pretty big part of my recovery because when I was in therapy, I I struggled with some pretty serious eating disorders. I was depriving my body of a lot of important nutrients and way over training. I was doing bodybuilding at the time. So it's like a version of eating disorder that is not commonly talked about, but it was all, I was just so focused on bodybuilding and getting, you know, I wanted to do competitions and stuff. It proved to be a v- fairly toxic place to develop as a young adult, just because all my priorities got all mixed up. And I was talking to my therapist about it. And she was saying, well, it would probably help to reallocate some of the focus that you're using on picking apart parts of your appearance that you can't control. And maybe spend that focus and energy and effort on a part of your appearance that you can control. So for me, I found a lot of joy. I'm, I'm very creative. So I like drawing and like visual arts and music and interior design and architecture and all this stuff. And I've always liked fashion and fashion kind of gave me an opportunity to focus on instead of focusing on not liking my stomach or my neck or my, actually my, my forearms are shaped differently because I broke my elbow. So I'd get so focused on something like that. And now I focus more on like, do my shoes match my shirt? Or like, does my outfit do all the components of my outfit come from the same color palette? Like those are the things that I focus on now. And it, it really has been liberating.
1: Yeah, that's so awesome. I mean, they're all very colorful. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, You definitely have a color palette going behind you, and uh, very cool. I love that. You know, something really important that I think you said was recovery doesn't have to look the way you think it does. I think that's a huge huge gold nugget and a really great takeaway in many aspects of life whether you're talking about recovery whether you're talking about therapy or whether you're just talking about personal self growth you know there's a yeah. lot of information out there and it doesn't have to look the way that you think it has to look so thank you for sharing that i think that, that that's that's beautifully said so here we are today so obviously this all kind of led up to founding cope notes so why don't you first explain what cope notes is and then we'll kind of go back and talk about why you founded it like some of the things that you were saying like what you were searching for you couldn't find it etc but let's give some context around what cope notes is first
0: yes so I'll keep this short and sweet as short and sweet as I can (laughs) Um, cope notes provides daily mental health support through text messages so what that looks like is you're you're going through your day, you're sitting in traffic, you're being yelled at by your boss or something, and your or your kid throws up on the couch and you get a text message and you're like, what? What on earth does someone want from me now? And you open the text and it it has a psychology fact or a journaling prompt or an exercise or something to help you kind of de-escalate and retrain your brain to think in healthier patterns over a longer period of time. So you can think about it like a digital journal because you can text back and like use that to speak freely and vent. But really it's like a digital journal that reaches out to you every day so that you don't have to book appointments or set aside time or really it's just, it's kind of like a toothbrush and floss for your brain.
1: (laughs) Well said, well said. Have you ever had any of these moments where your day or your life or whatever did kind of feel like it was in chaos and there was like this disruptor, whether it was a text message from somebody or just like a disruptor that really kind of changed the trajectory of that day?
0: This happens to me so often. (laughs) Even actually, I got a Cope Notes text recently that was so on point, I couldn't even believe, I almost like started crying when I got it. It was... Oh okay, so <laughs> a little window into my personal life um yeah. family emergency forced me to move so I was not planning on moving it was not I, I was fairly set up where I was i I had no interest in changing location and something happened completely outside of my control. Um, with a family member's health, and it forced me to move. I was super not happy about it. And I was so like heartbroken, upset and stressed out. And I couldn't find a place because the real estate market is just absolutely upside down right now. (laughs) So I was just, I mean, all my stuff is in a U-Haul. I'm staying on my mom's floor on an air mattress, like searching for apartments all night long, trying to find (laughs) a new place. And just, I'm just gutted about all of this my whole life has just been completely uprooted. My business address is changing and just it almost destroyed my hope. And I get a text from cope notes while I'm looking for apartments that says, where is it? Oh. And I kept saying like, I wish things could just go back to the way they were. I didn't want any of this. I didn't make any of this happen. This is just happening to me. I felt so powerless. And here's the text. In order for anything good to happen, something has to change. It's pretty much the only prerequisite. So don't be afraid of change. Be excited for it. Oh! And I looked around me like, are there surveillance cameras somewhere? Like, how <laughs> did this happen right now? And I I have moments like that. And subscribers will text us saying like, are you bugging my apartment? Or like, how do you know what's going on in my life? But really, it's just... The power of your brain to interpret stimulus is unmatched. Like if you've ever go, been going through a breakup and you turn on the radio and there's a song I, I, and it's like, oh, it makes me think of whoever you drive past a billboard and you're like, wow, it's, it's God speaking to me. It might be God. It also <laughs> um, could have something to do with the fact that your brain is always interpreting stimulus through the lens of whatever your life experience is. Yeah. So that's all Cope Notes is doing is interrupting those like death spirals of like, oh, no, what am I going to do with some kind of catalyst that can help you reframe that thought?
1: Love that. Love that so much. So what year did you uh, start Cope Notes?
0: We sent our first text on March 1st of 2018. So we're okay. almost four years old, but I ran a beta version of Cope Notes for about a year prior that was called Not A Therapist. So all in, it's been about five years, but with Cope Notes specifically, it's been almost four years.
1: Yeah. And what is like one of the most inspiring stories that you've heard from one of your subscribers?
0: I mean, it's tough to pick one. One that just completely melted my brain, I still can't believe it to this day, (laughs) is a subscriber said that he was, he told us this after the fact. That he had decided to end his own life and he got up to the top of a building where he was going to jump off and the ledge of the building had seashells in it, you know, that like concrete compound that has oh. like seashells in it
1: yeah this is like um, really com- so you're in tampa and i'm in jacksonville beach florida and this just to give con just to give some info to the listeners out there that aren't in florida <laughs> yeah it's really common in florida like most of our driveways are yep. cement but then you'll like see these seashells in it. it's like the most bizarre yep. thing so yes i know what you're talking about okay so it's basically concrete with seashells like yeah you know, Crushed up seas- seashells. Sometimes you'll find a full one <laughs> in the and concrete. Yeah.
0: So he's on top of this building. He's about to jump and he sees the seashells and remembers a text from like a month and a half or two months prior that had something about seashells. I can't even remember exactly what the text was. It just mentioned seashells. And that text just made him start thinking and he Mm. was like, holy crap. And then he sits down on the roof and calls his mom Mm. and his mom comes and picks him up and takes him to rehab. Mm. And he, when he got out of rehab, he told us, the story. And we were like, what? <laughs> like, it, cause it wasn't even a, like a text being delivered in that exact right, moment. It was right. a text that he might've even ignored in that for like when he got the text, he's like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Kind of a unique point. But anyway, back to my life. And then two months later, it winds up saving his life. on Believable, And there's tons of stories like that, like marriages being saved or people divorcing abusive partners or people moving to a different country to pursue a major at a school that they were afraid to apply to. Like so many unbelievable stories that have just come from these simple like two or three sentence long text messages.
1: Amazing. Well, I honor you in doing the work that you're doing and providing this a great outlet for people and you know obviously you started saying earlier that you know you didn't want to create anything
0: (laughs) yeah true uh
1: however there was this big gap in the mental illness space and there is and there continues to be other gaps there too and so you were able to kind of fill this void so what were you looking for exactly that you couldn't find like what was it that you were searching for
0: It seems to me, and even now it it very much seems this way. There's, if you look at mental health as a continuum, you might have, you know, 5% of people who are just doing freaking great. Like, I don't know what they're, if God's just smiling on them or whatever, they like unlock the secret of happiness, but there's like 5% of people who most of the time are doing just fine. Like they're not really facing too much hardship. They're just in kind of like that quiet season where everything's kind of falling into place and then you have your 5% of people on the other end who who i mean i was in this 5% who really would benefit from like inpatient treatment Like someone who really needs a lot of care, a lot of attention, um, should probably be monitored on a regular basis. I know for me, that was really important, like having my behavior monitored and meeting with clinicians regularly and taking multiple medications, like really intense treatment. And then you have like 90% of people in the middle who don't even fall into either of those buckets, like, you know, some days are really hard. Some days are really great. Sometimes I go three weeks without seeing anybody. Sometimes I'm the talk of the town. I'm the life of the party. And and those ebbs and flows, there's this like giant subset of the population that isn't all hunky-dory and unicorns and rainbows, but they're also not in need of like immediate intensive treatment. And it seems like most mental health resources are geared towards people who need real treatment, which is awesome. And I've benefited from that. But what about all of the people in the middle who maybe aren't into the idea of therapy or don't feel ready or don't feel comfortable taking medication or aren't even interested in learning about their mental and emotional health? Like there's so many groups of people right now who are underserved or completely unserved because all we've been doing is reacting to crises instead of preventing them. So I'm like, You know, imagine if there were just two groups of people, it was like, imagine if your only option to take care of your teeth, to use my toothbrush metaphor, it was to go to the dentist. How often are you going to go to the dentist? What if you don't have the money? What if your schedule doesn't permit? What if you don't have transportation? So I'm like, we need a toothbrush and floss. We need the little (laughs) thing that people can do every day to take care of themselves. Doesn't matter if you have cavities or not, you need to brush your teeth.
1: I love this conversation about mental health and being proactive versus reactive and being like a positive connotation versus a negative connotation. Because for so long, I think the word mental health meant mental illness meant Mm -hmm. um, you have a problem, you know, all these things. But mental health, when taken from a proactive stance, is just that it's like any other health. It's like being proactive with your physical health. It's the same thing. You know, we go for a walk, we go for a run, we eat the right foods, you know, so we take a proactive approach. But when we hear mental health so often, I just think people just shut down because they have like this negative thought around it. And we have to one, kill that stigma. And two understand that there is what you say, like that 90% of the people who can take like, this really proactive approach and don't fall into the five and five. And so cope notes kind of helps to bridge that gap.
0: I've just one thing that really woke me up to the idea that like therapy is great, but it's not everything Mm -hmm. is when I was in therapy, sometimes I'd have a great session, like just totally make a ton of progress and feel like I learned a lot. And I, oh, heck yeah. Like now I feel like I'm getting somewhere. This is like months and months into therapy. I'm like finally getting it. Yeah. And then I would leave and for six days and 23 hours, I just backslide completely lose all my progress because I'm thrown back into the world. I'm not in this safe little room with a box of tissues and a comfy couch. No, no, no. I'm like back (laughs) in, you know, horns honking at me and dogs pooping on my carpet. And, you know, there's all sorts of stuff that are happening in real life. And I felt like, you know, it's great to be able to schedule an appointment and have that safe space to speak and explore. But what the heck am I supposed to do for all the days in between? And really it's the comparison I've used before is like, what's healthier eating a serving of green beans every night with dinner or eating three pounds of green beans once every week or two. Mm -hmm. Like what is more sustainable? What makes more sense? What will you enjoy more and what's healthier for your body? probably a little bit every day. So that's, that's the whole approach that Cope Notes has always taken is like, if you need real clinical treatment, please go see a clinician because they do stuff that we could never do. Yeah. But on those days in between, or if you're not seeing any clinicians, maybe this can be your little bit that you can do every day to keep your brain, your mental and emotional health in amazing shape.
1: I think no matter where you fall on that spectrum, Coke notes yeah. is, is there for you. Truly. Even the five percent that you were saying that's just like happy all the time. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's good. And what do you say? Every think about once in a while sunshine or something. <laughs> but yeah.
0: Yeah, we we have subscribers who say, like, I started using Cope Notes when I was in a great season of my life, and it's helped me stay there. Because when I feel myself start to dip down, I can catch myself and identify what I'm feeling and kind of talk myself back up. And I'm like, wow, I'm so glad that people, I don't know. I mean, people kind of associate mental health resources with like, oh, I'll use that when I'm not feeling well. And then when I feel better, I'll stop. And imagine if like, imagine if Arnold Schwarzenegger was like, okay, I'm muscly now. I don't have to work out anymore. Mm, mm-hmm. Like, no, you working out is what gave you those muscles. Like you gotta stay right. on top of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And what I love so much about Coke notes too, it's not just like a hey, you're amazing. Go kick ass today. You know? Yeah. It's like there's and there's some science behind it too. So just like as an example here, um this is actually comes from your website, but here's what one a Coke note might sound like when anxious, your body hunches over to protect the heart and lungs. Show your body that it's not in danger by standing up straight with your shoulders back. <laughs> Good reminder. So awesome. And we both did it at the same yeah. right? Like, change, right? Like we both did it. I don't think we were hunched over. I don't think either one of us, well, I don't think we're anxious, but you know, but still, like, okay, I just learned that. Um yeah. and now I changed my behavior. And it was just like one little simple moment that Cope Notes gave me. So thank you so much for everything that you do in the world. I honor you. What's the next thing for Cope Notes? Like what's next?
0: Where's I wish vision? somebody would tell me so that I could <laughs> plan for it. It's been totally an, an unpredictable ride so far. But I, um, I think we're going to start doing a heck of a lot more work with businesses for employee wellness, schools for student wellness, and then like state and local governments, like actually getting support into the hands of residents. Like basically, you know, if you live in Tampa Bay, you get to use Cope Notes for free because your county or whoever made that purchase on behalf of, you know, community mental health like that, because we started just doing individual subscriptions for people like you and me. Mm And then eventually, I think over the years, we've built more towards that community approach. So those those community partnerships, I think, are going to be crucial in our expansion, our ability to impact more and more lives.
1: Amazing. I love it. If you ever get into the corporate space, we'll have to have you back on our sister show, Happiest Places to Work. Thank you so much again for all that you're doing in the world and for our listeners go check out copenotes.com and i just have one last question for you and it's a question that i ask all the guests it is a two-part question and the first part of that question is if you had only seven more days left to live what would you do
0: i would want to be in a hot tub (laughs) and i would want to pet my dog, who I no longer live with because of this living situation, but I would want to see my dog whose name is Pepperoni Pizza. I would want to hang out with her and I'd let her lay all over my bed, even though she's not supposed to. And I would want to eat awesome food and try to contact every single person in my phone book to say hi and thank you.
1: Amazing. The second part of that question is if you only had seven more days left to live, but you were in a debilitated state And so all we had left were your words. What is the last bit of advice that you would want to give the world?
0: Oh, I would just say, I have a tattoo on the back of my neck that says you matter. Mm. And that's all I would want to say to anybody. I think if everybody felt like they actually mattered, the world would look completely different.
1: Awesome. Well, I think you're sending that same message through Cope Notes and telling people that they matter. So thank you so much for unlocking happiness with us today.
0: Heck yeah. Thanks for having me.
1: Amy Dix here. Thank you so much for listening to Unlocking Happiness. I hope you loved the show. And if you did, post a link to your social media, tag a friend, and hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. Help spread more happiness in the world by leaving us a review. If you would like to learn more about what we do, visit choose happy.me. And if you want to be a future guest, click on the podcast tab to learn more. If you know someone that would be a great guest, Tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Unlocking Happiness with Amy Dix. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and hit subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean the world to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, choose happy.me, or join our Facebook group called The Happiest Group on Facebook. Thanks for listening. This is Amy Dix, and we will see you next time.